Ghosts are horny. Spooky. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had okay. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. Welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Grimm. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Tell me about your dogs. I want to hear about your dogs. Growing up, we never had less than three dogs at any given point in my life. So we've had lots and lots of dogs. My mom always wanted Desire Dogs. It was the early 2000s. And, like, having a dog that you could carry around in a purse like Paris Hilton was incredibly popular. I still want that. Yes. Right? <laughs> and we had this dog named Gabby, and she was incredibly tiny, and she had really bad hip dysplasia. To the point when my mom got her and took her to the vet for the first time, they were like, take this dog back. Like, you should not have paid for a dog like this. But, of course, it was too late. My mom had already fallen in love. But she was so tiny that the vet did not want to fix her. So she just was a horny little monster her whole entire life. She had a favorite toy, which was a tiny stuffed llama that was the same size as her. I'm scared. Me too. And anytime we had guests over, it was only people (laughs) over. Like she had to show off. She would mount the back of her (laughs) tiny llama and she would hump it and it would look like she was riding a horse like she was a little cowboy. (laughs) And you would just be talking to your friends and then you would look on the ground and there was just a tiny Yorkie riding a little llama no. like through the living room into the, the next fuck? room making like <laughs> noises. And like it got to the point where we would just ignore it because we were so used to it. But like all of my friends would just like stop <laughs> and like watch our like mounted Yorkie ride a llama through the living room <laughs> like she was trained to do so. Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. What was the Yorkie's name? Gabby. Aww. Yeah, Gabby. Well, good for you, Gabby. Gabby and Piper. Get it, Gabby. They were both named after characters from Charmed, I want to oh. say. Which I don't know where Gabby... It must have been a small character my mom really liked. Hmm. So. I had really big dogs growing up. Like Irish Wolfhounds, Rots, King Corso, Lab. And then my partner has this teeny little dog that I've fallen in love with. I hate small dogs. But this is a little dachshund named Rollo, and he's cute, and he's a monster, but he, like, will leap at you. He knows when I say, like, oh, I have to go to bed. Do you want snugs first? He'll come and give me, like, cuddles. Aww. Um, But one of my favorite things is not actually about him. As a joke, once I called Rollo a slut because it was funny. Because Rollo's like the most innocent little just cuddly dog. And Ben gets, my partner gets really upset about it. So I'll be like, Rollo, you little slut. And like Rollo's so hyper and excited. And then my partner gets like aggressive about it. And is like, stop calling my dog a slut. (laughs) (laughs) And that's one of my favorite things. She get more creative. Be like, you're right. He's not a slut. He's a little hoe monster. (laughs) I think I have called him a whore. Calling a little dachshund that's just cute and snuggly a slut, there's something fun about it. I love it. that. I love that. What about you, Jasper? 
Growing up, we had a Neapolitan Mastiff. <gasps> and then after she died, my mom got a Corky. Mm-hmm. And then when that dog died, they didn't get another dog. But I have a dog now. His name is Bentley, which is not a name that I would have picked, but <laughs> he was like five or six when I got him, so too late. He's an American Water Spaniel, yeah. and he's he's like seven or eight now. He's so old, but so cute. <laughs> yeah. He's just like a grumpy old man. He gets mad at loud noises, just like me. He's really clingy and hates it when other people touch me. So I'll like go to hug my roommate and my dog will run up and start barking at us and be like, no touchy. <laughs> if I have people over, like even if it's just friends, but also someone I'm like interested in, he'll be essentially like leave room for Jesus. Oh my God. And like policing me the whole mm-hmm. time. It's ridiculous, but I love him. I like Bentley. He has literally no interest in me if Jasper is around, but the second Jasper's not, he's like, oh, I'm your best friend now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, sure, Bentley. Bentley has favorites. I sure. love how none of us have hell hounds, but Jordan and I have hell cats. Like, oh, yeah. the dogs are the sweetest, and the cats are absolute terrors. Oh, yeah. Yes. Our podcast cat, Marge, always knows when we're recording because yes. she always hides in the little loft area. Then the second we turn on the record button, like a six inch, she jumps down her cat tree, which she uses to get to the loft. So if you ever hear like a loud shaking noise, like a jingling, it's the cat tree as she descends to try and derail our podcast. So yes. you all know. Yeah, derail and distract. Mm-hmm. It's the mission. Today's episode is season two, episode eight, Crossroad Blues, the one where they let the dogs out. This episode was written by Sarah Gamble and directed by Steve Boyum and originally aired on November 16th, 2006. So in this one, we start out in M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I in 1938. Yes. We get a little bit of a flashback. Mm-hmm. I like I those. I love, love this intro. It's mm-hmm. so fun. It I'm is. so obsessed with the clothes. Yes. Like Robert Johnson's pinstripe suit with his big fedora mm-hmm. and his wife's pink floral dress so and her cute. pinned back hair. And she's got those little heeled brown and white Oxford mm-hmm. shoes. Yeah. Ugh, we love. It's adorable. The fashion there was perfect. What is it about fashion from, like, the 20s, like, up to 1950? It was just so good. I think the big thing is that, like, um, the only people we see were the rich people. So even when they do flashbacks and it's not people who are rich, they put them in that clothing or at least the, like, middle class upwards. Um, So it looks so perfect. But then I know, like, my family was wearing the potato sack, literal, like, sewn clothes. So it's very idealized, but it's idealized in such a pretty way. Yeah, absolutely outside of the fashion i just think this is such a fun mm-hmm. opening like the the way they build suspense mm-hmm. with the invisible hellhounds like the barking but you can't see them and mm-hmm. like he even ditches his guitar and yeah. his rush to get away yeah it was very atmospheric yes for sure that is a good word for what that was yes also, I'm just, like, a sucker for blues music, so... Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love blues. And apparently so does Dean. That was fun to find out. So we get into the next scene where it's Sam and Dean talking at, like, a diner. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, those fries. 
look so good. They look like fair yeah. fries. Yeah, they looked like like a hand cut mm-hmm. kind of fries. And I like there is the theme of eating. Like whenever they're eating together, like mm-hmm. Sam is more like a coffee and newspaper type of guy. But Dean is going to take full advantage of any time there is food. Oil with more oil. I love that whole conversation, too. It's so, like, mm-hmm. so siblings. Yeah, plus, like, it sets up, like, consequences from, like, past episodes. Right, and... yeah, they bring up the St. Louis thing with the shapeshifter mm-hmm. again. Yes. Oh, and I know it becomes, like, a trend later in the series, but they do mention the lore, specifically, the like, lore. using the word. <laughs> I love when they I use love that. the word. It's funny. And this one's so, like, a classic tale. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh so quintessential so um when they're interviewing where they're doing like the fake expose on the guy who had committed suicide allegedly allegedly yes allegedly of course it's like an architect's house Mm -hmm. too and it's like the ugliest fucking house with the worst furniture i've ever seen in my fucking life so boxy yeah like, what is up with that? And I like he's them. like, he was a genius. I mean, I am too, but he was like a super genius. And we're like, are you a genius? Yeah. We see that little shoebox you live in. <laughs> Trent, back the fuck up. Yeah. Trent. Was that his name, actually? I have literally no idea, but he, he did looks like ha- a fucking Trent. He looks Trent. like a Trent. Yeah. And I really like how they put in here that not just the sounds are invisible, but also kind of like with their deaths, like um, in the first scene, he's shaking on the floor. And then with the jumping off the building, like other people aren't quite sure what's going on, which makes yeah. it even more mysterious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. They do look so good in their suits, too. Yeah, yeah. And did you notice in this episode featuring hellhounds, Sam is wearing a hound's tooth jacket? Oh, oh, I yeah. didn't. It's very, very little. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I thought it was tweed at first. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes hard to tell with, like, the yeah. gray. But what gray skin? I will say his little, like, a white and blue stripe under kind of clashed a little bit for me. But mm-hmm. that's his style. It's yeah. okay. I was interested in it, though, because usually when we see them in, like, formal wear, it's, like, extra formal. Mm-hmm. They're, like, button-down tie, suit jacket, everything. But he had, like, the open collar mm-hmm. going on. I wonder if they were going for, like, that kind of young professional vibe. I think so. I yeah. think so. Which is good. Attention to detail. I like it. And it definitely checked out where almost every architect I've ever met is a douchebag. I have not met many architects, but... I saw 500 Days of Summer. That guy was a douchebag. <laughs> yes. I was so scared for a second in this episode mm-hmm. because I thought it was going to be a Sam episode because Dean was acting a little goofy Yeah, in the beginning. Was. They brought up MySpace, which is like the <laughs> peak cultural reference for the time. Right. Oh, my God. I forgot that they brought up MySpace, too. And I was like, teehee. Yeah. And then immediately Dean is like, is that a porn site? <laughs> and I was like, no, not a Sam episode. Which I love that he thought it would because I've never thought about it. But it right, does like seem a what? little porny. Yeah. I guess so. MySpace? I think it was just more of like a reference to like, <laughs> a true, just to Dean not knowing what it was, but I totally Dean thinks see. all the internet is porn. You know, if that's I what mean, you use it for. Th- there's a reason why there's that one song in that one musical with puppets. The internet what is the for f- porn. For me. For porn. Yeah. 
Avenue, it was, Avenue Q. Avenue Q. No, I know what you're saying. It was just that one in that one. In the, and I was like, wait, my mind can't process. Sorry, I said it like that on purpose to sound like a fool, and it worked, so. <laughs> it tore me apart. <laughs> yeah, the internet is for porn. But anyway. <laughs> it actually is more of a Dean episode, I would yeah. say, but. And Dean, I was like, he's acting a buffoon because he was like getting aggressive with the guy about his friend's death. He was getting a little aggressive with it. Yeah, but we know from episodes like Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things that mm-hmm. w- when he's overly emotional, he immediately converts that into mm-hmm. anger and directs it in the wrong places. True. And given that this episode is so focused on uh, John's demon deal, I think it was just, you know, mm-hmm. projecting. Yeah, I yeah. Agree. It was. It just led me astray at first. I was like, Sam episode? I smell it in the air. <laughs> what do y'all have against Sam episodes? I fuck? don't. It's just interesting to me, uh, like, how quickly you can tell in some of them. Oh, yeah, that's true. And that's this one true. threw me off. I was totally all for it. And we find out that there's a trend of people becoming mm-hmm. very successful very young. Van Gogh and someone else is mentioned. Mozart. Mozart. Yeah, and how they kind of get destroyed young, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, that's kind of an interesting concept mm-hmm. to, like, build an episode around. Absolutely. Execution we'll talk about later, but I do like the concept. Mm-hmm. Then they get to the hotel room with the doctor. You skipped over talking to her nameless maid. Yeah, her nameless maid. I kind of more just didn't talk about it because they didn't really... It was just kind of there. I have thoughts about it it. on on the topic of race in this Mm, episode. So I'm actually going to save it for when we just talk about race in general. But I want everyone to know that I have not forgotten about that. Yes. We will... Oh, what do douchebags say in meetings? Circle back. We'll circle back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make that that finger move yes. too. Circle back. I wish you could see it, but I'm doing the circle with my finger. <laughs> you yes. can't not when you say it. Yeah. It just it looks douchey too. Yeah. yeah, and this part, oh, I was so frustrated because we get two like cool, mysterious, don't know what happened murders. Right. And then you get violence against women. She's torn apart, quite yeah. literally. Yeah. And it's yeah. interesting, too, because I think in the opening, when we see Robert Johnson's death, given what we've seen mm-hmm. of violence against black men mm-hmm. and women mm-hmm. in this show already, I was expecting it to be much more Same. violent looking. Yeah. And I was relieved. I actually didn't remember like mm-hmm. what the nature of that death scene was like. And I was like, oh, good. They're not just like really going for it. Like, let's destroy this black mm-hmm. person's body right now but you know they made up for it with with the, with the doctor yeah. yes. later i was like we gotta win and then two scenes later right right i will say one thing though a small thing about this episode that mm-hmm. did impress me was actually the use of cgi mm. oh yeah. it looked good it did and that may just be because i've been watching too much buffy where all the <laughs> cgi looks like it's from a old turok game but <laughs> And I did like how creepy the person looks. And at first you think that person is like in on it. Right. Um, Having the eyes turn basically gray, the face kind of skeletal and its jaw move in a scary way is like the first sign the hellhounds are there, there. Right. It's like an omen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I gotta say, though, 
other than those things, that scene is ridiculous. It is. Like, <laughs> it's not the woman's acting. I think she's fine. Mm-hmm. Although, like, I did get the just be a hysterical woman <laughs> kind of vibe from it. The director so, commenting. It's, it's just, like, the motel room was, like, all of this somber red and black. I'm like, I mm-hmm. get it. She's going to hell. And she's wearing light colors yeah. in contrast to that. Um, which is interesting given that we know she's not so innocent because mm-hmm. she's sold her soul. But the scene goes on for so long. I just feel like I get it. And mm-hmm. then when there's that knock sort of towards the middle before like the motel owner comes to mm-hmm. bother her for money and they do that weird choppy cut towards the the doorknob mm-hmm. on each knock, I'm just like, Jesus, what is this? Like scary stories to tell in the dark. It was like campy, but not in a good way. Yeah. Right. Unintentional camp. I don't know. For camp to be camp for me, it has to have something that makes it enjoyable, Mm. even though it's like bad, bad. That's very fair. My issue was that she was so like disheveled. Yeah. And kind of on like the brink of insanity. But then the other two victims were not and they were men. But women be crazy. That's true. I've heard that about women. (laughs) Yeah, and even Evan, the guy who they help out later in the episode, Mm -hmm. he's totally fine. Yeah. He's not totally fine. He's like, oh, I'm going to die. This sucks. But he's not like losing his fucking shit. Yes. That's what it comes down to. Like, people think some people overread into things, but when comparatively no one else, no male cast member like acts like that when this is happening Mm -hmm. then it feels way more sexist if it were just this is the reaction to hellhounds i'd believe it right but when it's only her come on guys yeah do better ali do you want to take a sec to talk about crossroads Mm -hmm. yeah so crossroads has been a kind of spooky thing for centuries upon centuries the greeks they would often have hermes and hecate um statues there and ceremonies at the crossroads and when you think about it like transportation now you can drive anywhere but crossroads and roads and itself had a huge importance Mm -hmm. um, because that was the only way of communication and getting places and shipping things. And so Crossroads meeting was a place where like sometimes there would be towns and it was really like important in general to life, Mm -hmm. but then also had this almost spooky significance because of the worship of those two deities there. And then we have in the UK kind of furthers this. I thought this was fascinating. They often buried criminals there. Oh. Yeah. And would have hangings there. Mm-hmm. And they also had a lot of people commit suicide here. When would this have been? Like, what kind of time period are we looking at? From what I understood, I believe it was the medieval. Gotcha. Into, like, what's after medieval? After medieval. After medieval time period. <laughs> also, I do want to clarify. Renaissance? Yes, thank you. Yeah. I want to clarify, I do mean completing suicide, not committing. So this is where it gets really interesting to me, is that they have a really big significance in hoodoo. Mm-hmm. And in hoodoo, there's the Congo Yawa uh, Cosmogram, which is basically 
arrows around it going in a circle to represent life and death. Mm -hmm. And then almost like a T in the middle. Mm -hmm. And this was um, representing where you would communicate with spirits. And so visually, it looks like the crossroads. And crossroads were used to communicate with spirits. There's a Yorubu trickster god named Eshu Aliga, specifically known to be at crossroads. Uh In the U.S. with slavery and every horrible thing in America, wiping out of cultures, um, they did lose his name, so it's not usually referred to by that name. Uh But there was still the trickster god, and he would leave an offering for him. This was practiced in the South, in America. Mm -hmm. So this is something that was here. And in Hoodoo, you basically made a deal selling your soul for talent. So this kind of stretches it in the supernatural world where you can sell it for different things. But then it was like being good at dice, being great at an instrument, Mm -hmm. making women fall in love with you by like how you sing, stuff like that. So it was very skill based. Mm -hmm. And you would either make this deal at midnight or right before dawn. So it's so rooted in America because when enslaved people were brought here, it then kind of crossed over and there was this mix between Catholicism and Christian religions with the hoodoo and kind of blending between it. So that's where the demon at the crossroad comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, But specifically with Robert Johnson's song, there's an argument that this isn't even meant to be about the devil himself, but about the trickster god. So it is really up in the air what the song means. Mm -hmm. Since you're already at it, why don't you go ahead and um, tell us about Robert Johnson? Yeah. So he was a singer and musician who lived from 1911 to 1938. So he was only 27 when he passed away. 27 club. Exactly. And he sang on street corners, juke joints. um, I'm assuming where they had jukeboxes and Saturday dances. And in his life, he only had two recording sessions ever. Now, his life is incredibly poorly documented. News and information doesn't travel fast and doesn't travel well back then. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it. But also this was someone who was in different groups, belongs to different groups who were very oppressed. So it's not like he was famous. It's not like he was rich. And he was just kind of going town to town Mm -hmm. um, playing his music. And he only became famous like 20 years after his death, 20 some years. Ain't that just the way? Of course. And in 1938, which is the year he passed, John Hammond sought out to find him so that he could play Carnegie Hall. And he was the first one to kind of figure out that this guy was already dead. So he almost got notoriety, but he had sadly passed away. It took 30 years after his death for them to even find the death certificate. Oh, wow. And it doesn't have a cause of death. It just had the time of the place. Interesting. Which, sadly, for a poor black man in Mississippi in the 1930s, it's very common. But because of his talent and how he became famous after nothing was documented about him and it was too late to kind of go back and document it. Yeah, and then also the song. And the song specifically being about, like, seeking out the devil and crossroads and all of these almost occult ideas. There were a lot of rumors. Some think he was singing at a dance, flirting with a woman who was married, and she gave him a drink that was poisoned because of her jealous husband. But there's a lot of evidence against this. He actually may have had a syndrome because of his long fingers, which helped him play so well, um, that caused his death. It's debated. And again, the devil in the song might be the trickster god Legba, 
we don't even know what he meant. Obviously, we will never know what he meant. And it honestly can be racism because white people have an issue with people of other races being successful. Yes. And so they think for him to be successful, it had to be from this occult ceremony, from him selling his soul and not just recognizing this was a downtrodden man hurt by the system he was in and the life expectancy for people like him was not high. Right, exactly. And that is actually mm-hmm. what I wanted to talk about with regards to race in this episode. Yeah. And real quick, I'll just add, it's really important to recognize that people have spoken out that were in his life, but they didn't have prominent voices, again, underrepresented communities, and spoken out and said, like, no, he didn't sell his soul. He was trained under Ike Zimmerman, who was a famous musician. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, incredibly successful. And the song is actually about hitchhiking. That, yeah, I mean, given the time period, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So there's a lot of misconception, and I get the lore around it, but I wish people just talked a little more about, like, how he was kind of hurt by our system. Right. And that's why it makes it so, quote-unquote, spooky and a cold is just that we don't know for the reason that he was underrepresented mm-hmm. and hurt by the system he was in. Right, exactly. Sorry, that was a rant. No, you're right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I still want to wait until yeah. we've covered more of the other plot beats of the episode to talk about race. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's a huge part of what I want to talk about mm-hmm. is just, like, this idea that um, black talent mm-hmm is not something natural not natural not attainable by just practice (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, fucking ridiculous it's like so not only that but then also falls into like the trope of like the mystical black person which is something this show really has fallen back on so far in my opinion so yeah i mean there's missouri but Mm -hmm. i think she's a little more complicated like she does technically fall into that category but because she has other things going on and she's not like Mm -hmm. literally the character from the green mile or whatever (laughs) i think it's like a lot better and i will say like the only other character off the top of my head and i'm sorry i'm bringing up (laughs) bugs but is the oh my god i know is is the elderly native american man and i don't even kind of blame supernatural for this one because it's just a misconception in our public opinion but it's fascinating to see how the hoodoo religion and christianity mingled here right and like how it created its own almost lore and ideas i think it'd be way more interesting if shows talked about that or went into that imagery they just kind of are like oh here's a spooky piece of american history let's use it and not research anything about it yeah Um, But we'll come back to that. I just thought it was an appropriate time to Mm -hmm. talk about your research since in this next scene is when they arrive at Lloyd's Bar and find the crossroads. Which actually, I had my own little thing that I Mm -hmm. wanted to talk about. They bring up the yarrow flower that's growing Mm -hmm. all around the crossroads. And I don't know if y'all know this, but the scientific name for it is named after Achilles. Oh. Yeah, who used yarrow flower to heal wounds of the soldiers um, during the siege of Troy. That's fascinating. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that they use yarrow here. Mm -hmm. 
because yarrow is a, a healing plant. It's used for healing wounds and blood-related things, including mm -hmm. uh, menstrual issues. It can be used mm. for that. And uh, like a lot of other stuff too. And pretty globally, like it's, it's a very common plant. Mm -hmm. Like it's in Chinese medicine as yeah. well. There's also lore surrounding it about like you can drink it in a tea and like or or like leave it in a certain spot like having it under your mm -hmm. pillow or whatever like you know all those crazy things and then you'll meet the love of your life like the person you're destined to be oh. with but because it's such a useful medicine it became associated with witchcraft oh. which makes it of course obviously evil devil devil work mm -hmm. devil plant so I just, I find it interesting that they bring it up here. And then on top of that, um, yarrow flower comes in different colors. I actually see it white more than I've seen it yellow. Yeah. But the fact that they have yellow here, mm -hmm. when a big topic of conversation throughout the episode is John and his deal with the mm. yellow-eyed demon, I was, I was interested in that little visual cue. Yeah. Thinking about mm -hmm. how Hecate is mm -hmm. a goddess of the crossroads and relating that back to this Greek association that we have with it. And then on top of that, the idea of Hecate as a goddess of witchcraft mm -hmm. and Yarrow being like a witch's flower. Yeah. I really loved little details like that. I don't know if they thought about that as much <laughs> as I did. But I was like, aha, maybe it's just the poet in me, but. <laughs> it kind of makes me wish that, because like I had this thought to like, oh, they have literally the witch's flower at the crossroad, but then it's not like a witch making these deals. Yeah. It was just a little strange, but I do like that they tried something. Yeah, and I like that it's a little visual thing that isn't necessarily important to the overall episode, mm -hmm. but it adds a lot of texture, Yeah, I think. And that goes with my headcanon that this would be way more fascinating if they had added in how these people who are choosing this, it's the only way to get out of their oppression uh -huh. and brought that into current time. And then you could tie in witchcraft and those ideals into it too. Like that would be so interesting. I feel like it's just a little bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah. The arrow here also gives me Achilles brain rot. Maybe <laughs> it's just me thinking too much about Song of Achilles, Song of Achilles. and then being like, you know, heroes don't get to be happy yeah. and Dean being the one who recognizes the yarrow flower first mm -hmm. and I'm thinking about how miserable he fucking is all the time especially in this episode and and the fact yeah. that they consider like their dad to be a hero mm -hmm. or the work that he did to be heroic and they're picking it back up and then I'm like well if I'm positioning Dean as Achilles in my head then once again He's a big old homo. A big old homo. <laughs> but also, but also, like, the fact that, like, it's this healing plant associated so strongly mm -hmm. with a legendary warrior. I have the big, aw, soft Dean being a nurturer feelings. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there's my Achilles brain rot. Thank you very much. I'll oh, be here all week. I can't wait for his Patrocles to show up. Patroclus. Patroclus. One of those. So the P. <laughs> his P to show up. His big P. <laughs> That's what D has been missing in his life. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about this. No, I don't either. I also have one hour left of that book. 
You still haven't finished it? No. Because <laughs> it the got last, returned. Oh, my gosh. I have literally one hour, so I know that's, how it ends. Like, that last yeah. bit is the best. Oh, okay. I'll text you when I finish it this it's week. It's the best. <laughs> this is kind of the point of the episode where, like, Dean is showing how smart he is. Like, he recognizes <gasps> Oh, yeah. And yes. then, yeah, and then at the end, too. But, yeah, here, like, knowing all of the stuff about the the spell they're like mm-hmm. maybe, i mean it's both of them they yeah. like they're like okay well let's check and they find the little box and they're like oh cat bones oh graveyard dirt this is also the part where he knows so much information about the blues musician as well yeah and he directly associates it with hoodoo and we have yeah. heard yeah. them toss around like hoodoo as a catch-all for yeah shit we don't know about that could be helpful maybe but this is the first time they actually get into well functionally what is mm-hmm. that and it connects to the actual like your yes. background. Yes, and I think that's something that this episode actually does mm-hmm. very well. And I love that at, at this point they f- they find George Darrow's picture in there mm-hmm. and they go seek him out. And they learn about hoodoo things from a black person yes. whose cultural inheritance is this mm-hmm. um, yes. religion. Thank you. Like, there are things about race that I don't like about this episode, but that is not one mm-hmm. of them. That is something that I would like to see more often, even in shows that are being, like, written and produced now. Yeah. Now this is still an issue. It's wild to me sometimes going back in time to older shows, even, mm-hmm. like, sometimes going as far back as the 90s, the kinds of things they actually did better Yeah, before, like, the internet was so huge. Yeah. And I love how we're able to get both that and Smart Dean. Like, you don't have to have one. The boys don't have to be clueless, but they would be clueless about hoodoo. Like, yeah, they would. They would, of course. Especially given that they've been so socially isolated mm-hmm. their entire lives. And we also get around this time the sad story of this man doing it and not having any success with it he's like it didn't get me anything the deal right which i think it's nice adding that in because it's true like not every deal is gonna get you what you want from it and i feel like demons or if this were a trickster thing either Mm -hmm. way of course they're gonna try to screw you over right it's like the the monkey's paw yes careful what you wish for kind of thing and then we get the finding out that the other man did this for his wife. I like how we also balance that it doesn't have to be for selfish reasons. Right, of course. Because a lot of times when you are that desperate, it's not going to be for selfish reasons. Right. There were lots of things I found interesting mm-hmm. about George Darrow. It wasn't just that he knew about the hoodoo stuff, mm-hmm. although they made it very clear that he was an active participant in mm-hmm. some kind of occultism, um, given like the items around his house, and they made sure that you saw his really big mortar and pestle <laughs> yeah. that he was messing with. But I'm really yeah. interested in the art, actually. Oh, the art was so had. cool. Yeah, it was. It was like a mixed media, yeah. mostly paint, but some other stuff kind of collage vibes. There was one painting that actually resembled Jensen a little bit. All of the art seemed to revolve around like ideas of death and mm-hmm. the demonic and also isolation, but there were like motifs of the cross all over them too. So like echoing the kind of 
artistic interest in the demon deal that they've shown us that Robert Johnson had. Yeah, I actually was interested too by like the cross. And I was like, are they like referencing back to the crossroads? Because it's to me read like a want for salvation. But Mm. then George did not want salvation. Like he was like, no, I made my bed. He's going to pay this deal back. He knew the consequences. Right. And I'm so interested in that perspective that George has given what we know Dean is dealing with there. True. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Specifically, George says you know, after indicating that he does want to die, he says, I'm tired, which yeah. is something that I'll probably be bringing back up Yes, in a few episodes. <laughs> well, I also think it's interesting because we think he'd be the one to th- complain the most because he's like the most jaded with the deal. Oh, right. So I would assume that he'd be like, no, it wasn't worth it. Like, I want a refund. But it's interesting to have that character also be the only one who actively accepts this fate. Right. And again, maybe he was drawing about Dean. I mean, that has mm-hmm. been Dean. He has accepted his fate and it got taken away from him. True. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, he was like about ready to just mm-hmm. let go and die in the first episode of this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even in Faith, too, like this has been a recurring theme. We have some sad boys. No, poor little suicidal Dean. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a hug. So I hate to bring it up, but is this probably the point to talk about race in the episode? Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. So where do we want to start with that? I would probably say the maid in the apartment. Yes. I can't even think of a time when there was an Asian woman (laughs) before this point. Mm -hmm. I can't think of one. No, Yeah. a single one. So the first time we're seeing an Asian woman, she's a maid. Yeah without a name Mm -hmm. and i have to say in an episode about making something of yourself and like what is your legacy Mm -hmm. to then have a woman of color who's nameless who has no legacy just kind of hanging out (laughs) yeah it leaves bad taste in my mouth We have white people in this episode who have talent without making a Mm -hmm. demon deal. And we have white people who have talent from making a demon deal. But we really only have people of color who have talent if they have made a demon deal. The one quote-unquote talentless Mm -hmm. person of color is this nameless Asian woman who is a maid. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh boy, here we go. It's frustrating because I feel like the nuance of this episode, it comes really close to being something that doesn't piss me off. Mm -hmm. Like we were saying before, the fact that they're ignorant about hoodoo things. They learn about goofer dust Mm -hmm. from a hoodoo practitioner who is a black man who, like I said, it's his cultural inheritance. And they have a balance between black and white talent Mm -hmm. from the demonic. But this just was incredibly unnecessary. Yes. I also felt like we didn't even need this scene. We could have literally had them read a newspaper article Mm -hmm. about her and then through a phone call find out that she was at the hotel. Like, I don't know. Just was totally uncalled for. And yeah, they do need to think like the first. Like it could be a kid or a spouse or yes. something. 
any other person. Like, I don't know if they were trying to display, like, oh, she's so successful. She has, like, wealth. But I'm I like, think that's exactly what that was. Yeah. But it is at the expense yes, of exactly. people of color. And given the history of our country yeah, with people of color, which is one of chattel slavery and genocide... You know, obviously, this kind of thing looks small potatoes next mm-hmm. to that, but it's still like the ongoing legacy. Yes, <laughs> to keep to be in keeping with the themes of the episode, the ongoing legacy of uh, race racism in in our culture. If they had any part of commentary about like why these people are oppressed by society and then have to seek these ways out or anything like that, yeah, I'd be see, way more that's, that's ready to exactly, accept it. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's like if they would even take Mm -hmm. two seconds it's just again fucking bugs sorry Mm -hmm. but it's like in bugs you know they show the reservation being really ramshackle having trash everywhere Mm. and lots of like it just looks dilapidated and poor why not have a line about that and why that is but no they don't they just show like it looking gross and shitty you know, it's the same, mm-hmm. it's the same shit. Like, you can have, like, one or two lines about, like, this is why people of color mm-hmm. m- maybe would be more likely in this country to seek out something like that. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe, like, have someone have the talent but needs the notoriety. Right, 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 Totally right. makes sense. Right. Not to bring it back to another show, but in Buffy... So to set the scene up, there is a black vampire. He is brought in by the major villain to be, like, recruited. But, of course, as an audience, how we would see this is a black man is being brought in by the authorities. Mm-hmm. What is he going to think? He thinks he's going to be run out of town for being yeah. black. So instead of, like, just going over that, there's two lines. He's like, I know what this is. This has happened to me before I was even undead. Like, it, it explains it. It builds mm-hmm. that. Like, it acknowledges that racism exists. Supernatural right. has not done that once. Well, so it that, attempted to. Oh yeah, except but for we, it's okay we solved we solved racism. Yeah, that's we true. we we did some white heroics and um racism and is over now. Yeah, I don't even know why we talk about it after Route Six 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 when it was God. solved so cleanly. Right, of course. We did talk about how black people can only get talent through mystical means in this episode. Right. And then I do like how they tried to subvert it with Evan in the end of this episode. But then it's like the only person who was making this deal for like a just and right means was a white person. Right. And like a cis straight white man. Protecting his struggling wife. Ugh. Like, why? Like, mm-hmm. on its own, it's not even that bad. It's just, like, in the larger context of how mm-hmm. we're presented with gender and race dynamics, not just at the time that this was made, but in television mm-hmm. now, and in the context of this show on the whole, knowing that it almost always fumbles these things, mm-hmm. it's it's frustrating. It's like we've talked about, like, having the the problem of one story Mm -hmm. when it comes to race in particular. The one story is that black people do not have talent, cannot protect themselves, and they die Mm -hmm. bloody. Or are violent men. It's one of the two, and that's so aggravating. Right. Yep. And it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much to do the bare minimum to fix this, like, blatant perception. Add a few lines. 
recognize the situation it exists in this world but without recognizing what it means to live in this world as a person of color as a woman as all these different groups right and I understand the impulse too to even come at this from the angle of Robert Johnson and mm -hmm his alleged crossroads yeah. deal. I understand that because that's yeah. like a huge part of the American mythos, mm -hmm. like American folklore. And it is interesting, even though like the reasons that it became a mythology surrounding mm -hmm. this man are due to racism. But how much more interesting would it be if they were like, oh, you thought this was going to be us saying that black people don't have talent unless they sell their soul to a demon? What if we debunked that right yeah. now, mm -hmm. you know? It's just frustrating to me. Yeah, the next monster show, big monster show, listen to this podcast, take this mythos and subvert it for us. Yeah, I want to see this story, but where they find out that it wasn't Robert Johnson who had made a demon deal, but some other dude. Yes. That's what I want. Yeah, keep the crossroad demons. Not to do with race, but I felt like this was a big missed opportunity to also, like, bring up cool, like, pop culture references, especially mm -hmm. with, like, Dean being such a music fan. Right. Like, it would have been so cool for them to, like, dig into the lore of, like, Kurt yes. Cobain or, like, all right. of those other musicians who died. Uh, Janis Joplin. I guess she wouldn't have died yet, though. Amy Winehouse. I'm not I think sure. she died a few years later. Yeah. But, yeah, Amy Winehouse mm -hmm. as well. DM me on Twitter if you want to hear about my Dean would definitely have been obsessed with Kurt Cobain brain rot, by the way. <laughs> Just since we're talking about Kurt. Never bring that near me. I'm interested. I have one word to say. Gender. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Ali's like, you've changed my mind. Gender. It's so true. <laughs> I just feel like I'm not a fan of like whiny music. And I appreciate what they did for the genre and for music in general. It's fine. But we can argue about Kurt Cobain later. I'll punch you. Okay. Do it. Oh, no. <laughs> now I back out. Since we're already yelling and being angry about stuff, I know we've touched on some misogyny in this mm -hmm. episode. But can I also mention that it's frustrating that, like, women in this episode are either like there's the hysterical doctor the mm -hmm. nameless maid and then like all of the forms that the crossroads demon takes which are all like smoochy sexy ladies yeah. i'm just like mm -hmm. wow we just don't like women this episode huh no. this episode especially this episode it's, yes. it's just like you can't get away from it I still think that children shouldn't play with dead things is probably the most misogynist yeah. episode, or at least in like the top three um, for a really long time. Yeah, I hate the representation of women in this, but I really like how they use the crossroad demon to give a lot of exposition yeah. and give a lot of information we didn't know or we weren't sure about. Yeah, and that was very adroitly done. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with that. Because it doesn't, he doesn't have to interrogate, like, demons, of course, would, like, try to mess with you, push buttons by saying what they could, which very much fits with this. Um, so I just think it was very well done. And I love, 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 love the Smart D moment of the trap under the car being 
A red herring. A red herring. Every time I see this and he and she looks up, I'm like, oh fuck, I forgot again. Right. Like, it's so, He's so fun. Tricky. Yes. Get and him. if we're going with trickster gods of crossroads, like I think oh. it fits really well. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. That's that's Dean good. is like the that. trickster god of cr- this crossroad. Oh my gosh, we have so many different Dean brain rots this episode. <laughs> Let's back up a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Let's back up and talk about Evan and Dean's little outburst Mm. there. Yeah, so I was like, we're still talking about John. Always. We we can't get away. We can never escape John. He specifically said in terms of Evan's wife, finding out that she had had terminal cancer Mm -hmm. and he had made the deal and Dean was like, have you ever thought about her? Mm -hmm. Obviously talking about himself. Yeah. And I think it's so neat that earlier when you were talking about Evan Jordan, you mentioned that he's the only one who made a deal for unselfish reasons. Mm-hmm. But this whole scene is about the selfishness yes. of that deal. Exactly. And like, what is the legacy of that deal mm-hmm. after Evan dies from it? This deal even foreshadows the information we learn at the end mm-hmm. of the episode about the possibility of John being in hell when right. he's like, you're willing to spend eternity in hell for like this time. She's like mm-hmm. she'll be alone. Right. There's something about this really extended dramatic irony from episode one to this is episode eight. They finally have confirmed it for themselves that John did sell his soul. Mm-hmm. And, like, just knowing it the whole time and waiting for them to learn that it's the truth, man, it was just really good. They're very good in this show about hanging on to these little nuggets of information, keeping them away from the characters. But we're sitting here, like, ah, the whole time. Yes. Mm-hmm. When they get split up and Sam is setting up the protection for Evan and then Dean is talking with this demon... Uh, Jensen Ackles acting is so good here. Yeah. Like, just the lip tremble. Oh, my God. He's he's so good at looking like he's about to burst into tears. (laughs) I just thoroughly enjoy it. Mm -hmm. There are some things I do not like, which we'll get into later, but the whole setup of this scene, I do enjoy. Yeah. Oh, even down to them without ever, ever actually seeing the hellhound itself. Yeah. Like, the indents... Like, they build up a good fear around the hellhound. Yeah, and we've talked about this before, but, like, the don't show the monster is so effective in horror in general. And I think in this episode, it's really great, too, because we almost always see the monster Mm -hmm. in this show, almost every episode. Even if we don't see it in the cold open Mm -hmm. and we don't see it for the first time until, like, maybe halfway through the episode, we do inevitably see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was really funny because, like, the only other exposure I've had to a hellhound is from Teen Wolf, where the whole point <laughs> oh, of a God. hellhound is just to have a man have his clothes burn off as much as possible. The hellhound in that was just, like, steroid dead mouse. Like, yeah. I just literally, wow, I can't believe I said that correctly. <laughs> Sorry, I've been saying dead mouse is dead mouse five for, like, a decade. So I had to really think about that. But, yeah. I like how they build up with the tension of not knowing if the hellhounds are going to attack and this invisible 
like threat with I think it parallels so fucking well with Dean and the threat of him making a deal because yes. it is yeah. evil that you can't see and it right. is like something that you're you really don't know so you're on the edge of your seat and with the hellhounds and then you think like oh I've got a calm breath with Dean and then you're like oh wait fuck what's he doing right and I do think maybe they could have cut between the two scenes maybe one less, one less time. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I think the pacing overall mm-hmm. in these scenes was effective at heightening our anxiety for what the mm-hmm. fuck is Dean going to do. Like, what is scary here is not are the hellhounds going to get Sam and Evan. It's yeah. like every time we cut away, we're like, ah, because it's mid-conversation mm-hmm. with this demon. True. Yes. Do we want to talk about the actual binding of the demon and, like, the deal itself? Yeah. The kiss was very uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. I can't And I think that. even knowing that it was coming, because they yeah. showed us the Robert Johnson kiss in the middle of the episode. Yeah. Even knowing that it was coming made it very... Like, it didn't alleviate Mm -hmm. the discomfort there. I would call it gratuitous. It was. Like, that was a lot. A lot. Like, especially in comparison to that scene in the middle. And then when Dean's like, ooh, I didn't like that, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, well, he specifically, and I think, Jordan, this is what you wanted to talk about. He specifically uses the word violate Mm -hmm. to refer to what just happened. Mm -hmm. Yes, no, maybe very uncomfortable. I just yeah. was like, why why did they take it in this direction? It felt unnecessary. Like yeah. what were they trying to tell us by having that in this episode? I'm perplexed. Dean yeah. literally likes no scenes where he has to be intimate with a woman, <laughs> which is both problematic and also I think tells us a lot about his sexuality. Right. Well, on top of that, I think we have this scene, which he specifically labels as a violation. Mm -hmm. We've talked about the fact that he has been roofied before. He has been chloroformed before and used as sexual bait. Yeah. At least, I mean, more than once. Yeah. Only once that we see, but Mm -hmm. more than once due to, like, the implications of the Mm -hmm. writing. It just hurts. It hurts me. Yeah, can we not? Yeah. And like, it, like, I feel go like ahead, it's Jordan. soiled, like, the, one of the few good scenes mm-hmm. in this episode. Like, it really detracted from, like, what we were trying to do, which is, like, Ali was saying, is, like, kind of paralleling mm-hmm. the danger of making this deal to the physical danger that Evan and Sam were mm-hmm. in. Right. Like, it just took away from it. And then, like, we, of course, get whiplash to you would have made this deal if you knew where John was. I don't know. It just felt very muddy to me. It made no sense. Did not like it. Yeah, I think what they were trying to do is lean into the idea of temptation mm-hmm. and, like, the presentation of the demon deal as a kind of seduction, yeah. especially given the way the Crossroads demon is shown consistently as, like, mm-hmm. this beautiful woman. Yeah. So maybe then the point that they're trying to make is that he was supposed to be seduced by the deal, but he's not doing it because of a seduction. He's doing it because of, like, guilt. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
and it felt like it was for shock value because when you cut to them totally like her macking on him yeah um it's meant to be like oh what deal did he make right and raise that question but then his line afterwards makes it a lot more than just that right yeah 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 the way they end the episode is so, so like classic this show yeah when i first started watching it like in a dedicated way you know you get alerted to like the format of an episode mm-hmm. pretty quickly and they always cap off the episode with them having some kind of deep discussion <laughs> in the car together often at night and it did feel very much like that to me although that might just be because i've seen all 15 seasons of this yeah. and i'm just used to seeing it but i think the content of the conversation mm-hmm. kind of saved it although yeah. I will say it did have very, this is the conclusion paragraph Mm -hmm. of my essay (laughs) kind of vibes. I'm actually okay with it for two reasons. First of all, I feel like it has to be almost like a ritual to them when they finish a hunt and get to drive home. Um, it makes sense. Like some shows well, force them home, quote unquote, quote unquote. Yes, home is the car. Uh, sorry, home return is the car. back. You are correct, but Jordan. that's that's actually my second reason. Is that home is the space where they can actually talk about things? Or sorry, not home. Sorry, the car is the space where they can actually talk about things, and it is where they're most comfortable and most open. So I feel like I give it a little bit of grace for those two reasons, where no, it logistically makes yeah. sense. I agree with you. And like these men don't open up. Of course, when you're doing something else, can't look each other in the eyes the whole time. Right. It's a perfect place. Right, and you also can't get away from each other. Yeah. So like. It's the place that Sam is most likely to start being like, okay, Dean, time to unpack mm-hmm. your big feelings now. Because <laughs> he can't escape mm-hmm. except by turning up the volume on the True. radio, which he does do. Yes. Every time. <laughs> yeah. I poked fun at it, but I do like that they wait until this moment to bring up the idea of legacy. Yes. And that we weren't sort of bonked over the head with mm-hmm. it for 45 minutes first. Yes. I agree. This also feels like such a huge development because for so fucking long we've been talking about what would Papa Winchester want from us? What would he want for us? And now we finally get kind of the reflective what is his lasting impact in that question, which I feel like is a far fucking healthier question. Right, exactly. I 100% agree. Definitely the best part of the episode, in my opinion, was them sitting in the car. Mm Mm-hmm. And we had some good lines. Like, the lines were tight. Yeah. And made sense for the characters. And it did, it did, none of it felt gratuitous. Did you get down any quotes? Yeah, I did. We get into talking about, like, is the legacy meant to be fighting? And then Sam basically says, how many will we save because of him? That's his legacy. It's like the positive mm-hmm. impact of John having mm-hmm. saved Dean's life is that many, many other lives will be saved. Yeah. And... I love leaving off with you never considered making that deal. Yes. Question mark. I yes. I oh. think I think another thing that this show does really really well is on top of like that sort of extended dramatic mm-hmm. irony that I was talking about, but it's these like really big like just mic drop kind of yes. moments. Like the way they exit episodes is often really really skillful mm-hmm. in a way that is impressive, especially because the way they enter episodes is mm-hmm. frequently kind of clumsy. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we start an episode and we're like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. 
there's a ghost or something. But, like, the closeout will be like this. And I love the implication that Dean is answering by yeah. turning up the music. But I love that he won't lie to his brother. Right. And that that just really tells me a lot about his character and where he's at. Right. And their relationship, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, this episode was, like, two really fine pieces of, like, nice French toast with garbage as the filling. You you get nice French toast and covered it with expired ranch. <laughs> oh, no. Not just ranch, but expired, expired. ranch. Expired. No. Too much white people shit. Yeah. And it's not even good at that. I think it's worth noting that the writer, Sarah Gamble, mm-hmm. is the same writer that did bloodlust mm. oh no she's not the one who did faith yes yeah, she is oh she is okay because i just which episode was bloodlust if you don't mind me asking season two episode three okay i just mm. it seems like sarah gamble is particularly interested in dean and his humanity it's interesting that yeah I, you know i have complicated feelings about sarah gamble as a writer mm-hmm. on this show i think a lot of her episodes are really incredible and in fact i don't know it's it's kind of hard to talk about without talking about the show overall, which True. you haven't seen. Oh, Bloodlust was the other racist one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I bring it up. Oh no, that's why Sarah. <laughs> she didn't do Route Six Six Six, did she? No, we did check up on that when we oh, recorded for Bloodlust. I was like, was that her? But it wasn't. Oh. She also did Dead in the Water, which was season one, episode three. Oof. Mm. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Big oof. Jasper, why don't we do your fanfic for the week? I think that's a great idea, Allie. We do love those fanfics that we do every week. (laughs) Supernatural does canned better than we fucking do. No, at least we just go for it. I'm like, I'm being canned right now. I don't care. See, okay, that's the difference. That's camp. I'm saying a canned line in a canned way on purpose. And the the weird knock thing was trying to be intense and heighten anxiety. And what it did was make me laugh. (laughs) So there. Anyway. I I opened this link for this fanfic mm-hmm. and was like, the fuck is this? I don't remember picking this at all, as per usual. <laughs> as per usual, I shocked myself. The fanfic I picked for this week was called Texas State of Mind. It is a country singer AU, which I find really goofy. I, I think I was just like, oh, you know what? We're talking about musicians and whatever. We're we're doing it. I like it. We're going for it. I love it. Oh my god. Okay. I am not going to read this summary because it's really long. People need to learn how to actually summarize. Can I make up a summary? No. (laughs) No, you may not. I'm going to summarize the summary. (laughs) Jordan, what do you think it's about? No. So basically the idea of this fic, which is by Palomino Pup, by the way, I did not say the author's name, is that Dean used to be like a really successful country musician, but like flamed out and then is getting back into it and meets Cass, who is also a country musician. And ta-da, they're in love. Love that for them. Good job. And country sex happens. 
I hope so. It's rooting and tooting. <laughs> rooting and tooting. Oh my goodness. Cowboy in your booting. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> um, this one is rated E, so yes, you are correct. There will be cowboy sex. Or did you say country sex? Country. You said country. I'm I'm so sorry. No, I want howdy partner sex. It's I'm sure it's like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's like that. I'm sure it's partner with a D. <laughs> Always. As you might have guessed, this is a Dusty Alphic. Characters listed are just Cass, Dean, and then it says various supernatural characters, <laughs> which, like, fair. I'd rather someone tag it that than yeah. have every single character. Yeah. That gets difficult to read. Or even fucking mentions. Yeah. Additional tags are past Castiel and Meg. Gay sex. Thanks. <laughs> Couldn't figure that out. Cowboy Dean, country singer Cass, country singer Dean, or covering alcoholic Dean. Hmm. And that's another thing I'm really interested in fic that explores Dean's alcoholism and mm-hmm. a pursuit of sobriety. Mm-hmm. Because that's something they ought to have done in mm-hmm. the show. And they just kept leaning into alcoholism harder. As and, I assume a source of humor. Yes, yeah. most of the time. Like they do occasionally have Sam be like, hey, don't. <laughs> it's 10 a.m. <laughs> I don't know. They never really, mm-hmm. really get into it. There's a popular fanon that Cass, every time he heals Dean, is like healing his liver too. Oh my God. Throughout I love the whole that. series. Because otherwise, like, my guy is going to have, um, oh shit, what is it called? Cirrhosis. I mean, Dr. Jasper. Doctor of what? Nothing. Oh, no way. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to think I'm overly educated than what I am. (laughs) Scoliosis. What the fuck? (laughs) Spina bifida. (laughs) Chris Squeeter. Oh, my God. (laughs) Chris Squeeter? Oh, cirrhosis of the liver. That's what. So you were close. You said psoriasis. No, I thought I said cirrhosis. As long as come and spelled C-U-M, I'm in. You know, we'll get, we'll get into okay. Comments. You know what? There was there was a poll about this recently, about whether you would rather in smut see cum spelled C U M or C O M E, and the results of the poll for like something like four hundred votes was exa- five hundred thirty. It was five hundred thirty. You're yeah. right. You're right. For five hundred thirty votes was 50-50. Literally. Exactly 50-50. So, yeah, DM me or, like, bother Allie on Tumblr yeah. or whatever. Let me know if you would rather see it spelled C-O-M-E or C-U-M. I'm, I'm having to, like, abandon all of my friends because they spell it the way I don't like, so. Insta message me or on Tumblr just the word. So, Jordan. Oh, when am I going to rate this episode? What are you going to rate this episode? I'm curious. You all might disagree with me. Okay, tell me. I might. But I'm going to give it a one out of five. (gasps) I hated this episode. Wow. It was racist. And it was like, all racism is harmful. But this was like, extremely offensive (laughs) to me. And like, so much where like, Mm -hmm. the rest of it did not make up for it being racist Mm. anyway. I loved the ending of this. I love the intro. The cold open mm-hmm. was so good. That gets my 0.5. And the outro gets my other 0.5. Mm. I liked the demon scene in the end that we talked about. But then it was like kind of ruined by this like weird violation, which was literally said by Dean. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'll bump it up to 
a 1.5 because I do like that they did some kind of research into hoodoo itself and learned mm-hmm. from a black practitioner. But yeah, I just was not only did I find it offensive, I was not personally engaged. Yeah. 1.5 out of 5 invisible puppies. Oh. I'm going to give this episode a 3. This is passing. But like if it was any worse and the only reason it gets passing is because of the intro the outro the reliance on american like urban legends and bringing in the hoodoo in a respectful way for supernatural right so just barely barely fucking passing um but i'm going to give it a three out of five cute floral dresses oh yeah yeah look at that what about you I'm also going to give it a three. Similar reasons. I find myself so deeply ambivalent about this episode. Some things just really infuriate me, and other things I think are so well done. But overall, none of the things I thought were well done were enough to really supersede Mm -hmm. any of the things that I thought were harmful about the episode. I think there's much more nuance when it comes to race and racism in this episode than there have been in previous ones, mm-hmm. which I'm going to say, like, the bar is pretty low for that. <laughs> the bar is pretty low. Yeah. Um, so that's not that big of a thing. You know what? Actually, I take it back. I think I'm going to give this a 2.75, mm. which is a little, a little bit less. Just under passing. I think, yeah, I think, like, there's something about the pacing that I don't Mm. particularly care for in this episode as well. The saving grace for me is really the Dean content and the inclusion of a lot of small details. Mm -hmm. The hoodoo practitioner, George Darrow, and all of those kinds of things, Mm -hmm. as well as, like, the attention to costume and things like that. So, yeah, I'm going to give this a 2.75 out of 5 yarrow flowers. Aww. Like that. I almost stole that from you. I knew that would be yours. Yeah. I'm and then I was like, Jasper and I haven't fought. I d- I'm trying to be nice. Oh. I know. No. Until next time. <laughs> Jordan, speaking of next time. Speaking of. Oh, I have so many opinions <gasps> um oh it kind of sucks because where i don't know if it's like only on the netflix mm-hmm. version but they started rolling the soon like you know like the next episode kind of thing and like previewing a bunch mm-hmm. of episodes and i was like no don't show that because i want jordan to guess yeah to be fair that was like sensory overload and i think nothing away from <laughs> they it were except like, for the angry person yelling Angry person yelling. Yeah, they were like angry person yelling. They were like angry person yelling. Pretty girl, angry person yelling, and that was like it. Um, Gun. I actually got more spoilers from the skip intro because oh. it ended on a big picture of Meg. Oh. And I'm like, oh, so that it's giving us the last, the previously on Supernatural actual plot beats that actually happened. So I'm like, oh, we're about due for a plot relevant episode, which is good because we've been. We've been dealing with a lot of filler the I intro mean, this, of season two. This one was very plotty, though. It was. It was. And I'll bring that up, too. I do know that, like, plot beats are coming, and we got hinted to that in this episode. So without even any of that, we do know that Dean was involved with some kind of deal and at least knows more about the deal that John had made. So I'm guessing we're pretty soon 
going to be again on the trail of the yellow eyed demon and there's going to be some kind of vengeance for john to be had possibly pulling his soul out of hell Um, (laughs) where he truly belongs but i had previously had a conversation with ali and jasper after our last podcast we recorded that i'm going to make you all privy to so i had made a joke about how I know Joe and Ellen are going to die soon just because it's supernatural and they're women. And um, I was like, I bet they're going to die some stupid fucking way, like getting ran over by a bull or killed by fucking dogs. But they just blew their dog load this episode. So I'm like, maybe they're not going to be killed by dogs. Like I had guessed. Do you want to know word for word what you said? Yes, I do. I know that Joe and Ellen will die soon. They'll probably be eaten by dogs or some shit. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. So yeah, maybe they'll get killed by something else stupid. Mm. Ooh, what are they going to be killed by? A misogynist truck. A misogynist <laughs> We got the truck. racist. <laughs> now we need the sexist. <laughs> yeah, it's like Captain Planet. You have the racist truck, the misogynist truck. By our powers the, combined. By our powers combined, we gotta get the homophobic one. We are Republicans. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say we're supernatural. Oh, but. oh my god. Yeah, let's not give Democrats too much credit. They Absolutely. can be fucking racist and misogynist oh, too. Totally. We are Americans. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but yeah, I see lots of violence against women. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> looking into my crystal ball. Um, but yeah. I just think we're going to be on the trail soon. I think they're going to be... I think we're about due for another Psychic Kid episode. Mm. Oh, you know what else? At the beginning of the episode, Jordan, um, you got so excited with the growling sounds. Oh, my God. And then you, were, yeah. you were like, is it going to be werewolves? And then I was like, oh, no, it's going to be a racist werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> we were dying. Maybe you'll get your werewolf soon. Oh, I have to. It you got to the racist. Now you need the werewolf. Oh, yeah. There you, you just go. cannot be a monster of the week show. And not have a werewolf within the first two seasons. We'll find out. Well, yeah, I guess you're gonna... Yeah, what she said. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sure these... My predictions are very hard to keep up with sometimes. They're amazing. But I have a lot of ideas I'm throwing into the ether this week. Tell me what you think about them on Twitter. Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar. And special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in River Grove, Oregon. Bye. Bye. Bye.